everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Arizona Field Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Chris Rich. Chris is the owner-operator of the Arizona Fly Shop in right here in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, so we sit down with Chris, and we're going to be talking about you know how the shop came to be, uh, Chris's uh, journey as a fisherman, as a fly fisherman in the state of Arizona, and just overall, we just have a great conversation. So with that, stick around, and we'll get right to the show. <laughs> Are we live? Yeah, we're live. We're, we're live action. Live, yeah. As far wow. as, as live action as you can get. I just wanted to make sure, because I've had an issue with this last time where it didn't write to the card, but I think it's because I was trying to put two episodes on the same SD card. Oh, okay. So it's giving me a little bit of issues. But, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so we're sitting here with Mr. Chris Rich. Uh, Chris, you might do a little introductory for yourself. Um, Happy to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of introductions I could do. Thanks for coming into the shop this morning. Oh, yeah, for sure. I love so, doing this. So, uh, second generation native, Arizona, right? Uh, for purposes of this conversation, hooked my first fish at about three or four years old on Christopher Creek. I got a picture of myself sitting on a rock, you know, my parents handed down. And I remember sitting on that rock <laughs> right so uh grew up we camped a lot when i was a kid you know we lived in mesa so we went to christopher creek we went to tunnel creek woods canyon primarily right sometimes we'd go to the white mountains and we grew up like that's how we spent our time on the weekends as a family all summer long every weekend we would camp so second generation arizona native grew up that way and been married for 24 years got a couple of kids of our own they're out of the house so we're empty nesters right yeah yeah um got a big family brothers and sisters nieces and nephews everybody's in town i'm responsible for teaching all of them to fish that's a heck of a responsibility it's a fun one <laughs> i love it right i've had to it probably it. helps when you can just it's pretty easy to buy supplies or get supplies for yourself hey, I can right? get supplies right now <laughs> if we can get them in the shop right right yeah just walk outside yeah um so so you've been fishing since you were a youngster, youngster. Did you start right out with fly fishing, or did you, like, where was, was there Zebco a transition? Zebco 303. Zebco 303. I guess where everybody starts fishing. Yeah, like the Zebco 303, and I think I went to the 33, right? Yeah. The Zebco 33, still got them. Oh, yeah, they're a great reel. They're around. They're yeah, around, right? I love, the, I yeah. love Zebco 33s. Yeah. Um, in fact, we've still got... A, a, uh, an eagle claw, a yellow eagle claw fishing pole, fiberglass pole, yep. that my dad fished with when I was a little kid. And that rod was like, he was like, you know, don't touch that one. Oh, stay away from it. No, no, no. <laughs> stay on the other side of the boat. Like, you're right. Right. Um, leave that one alone. And we still got it. We still use it. I mean, it's, that's it's awesome. phenomenal. Um, that's that's pretty awesome. That's yeah, eagle. That's not a name you hear. Like it's no like eagle claws around, but you don't hear that name very often. No, but anymore. back then. That right was back it. then, yeah, yeah. Back yeah. then, that was it. Like we're talking forty-five years ago, right? Yeah. And we still go catch fish. My dad still uses it. I, you know, I kind of have possession of it now. Um, right. And we still use it, catch fish on it. I mean, it's phenomenal. <laughs> it's just a really, awesome. you know, it's amazing because that I think of, and I know I'm going around about way. But in the meantime, I've had some times when, hey, let's go out to the lake and have a campfire and fish a little, and you know, drink a beer or whatnot. Right. Right. And I said, oh, I don't have any fishing stuff with me. It's awesome. I'll go to Walmart and I'll buy, you know, a spinning rig. And after a couple of uses, it breaks. Right. Like, it never used to happen, right? Right. It's, it never it's, used it's, to yeah. uh, uh, what is it planned obsolescence? No, that's the wrong, wrong phraseology. Planned, planned obsolescence, maybe. Yeah. yeah, it could be. So I didn't start out. I started out with that Zebco 33. I remember sitting on that rock watching the fish in the pool at Christopher Creek. And I remember hooking my first fish. Right, so I'll tell you the story. Can see them, and my brothers and sisters, and they're not into fishing. We're camping because that's what our family's doing, and I can see the fish in the pool. So at Christopher Creek, if you've been there, you drive through the yeah. campground, you drive over the through the creek. Yep. Right. Yep. That used to flow really strongly right there, and just on the downstream side of that was a pool. Okay. And that's where they stocked. It was a big pool, and people would swim there and whatnot. But they would say stocked in that pool, one of the spots, and. That's where I caught my first fish. It was in, I remember, well, Do you remember what it was? Like, it was a rainbow trout. It was a rainbow. It was a rainbow trout, a stocked rainbow trout. And finally, I still could see him. I sat there, sat there, sat there. My dad had to go up and, and fix dinner. So I stayed. Right. 
and I'm, I'm like literally three to four years old. And I hook a fish, one finally bites, and I hook him. And I reel him up, he's about a foot off the end of my pole. I'm running through the campground, screaming, I got one, I got one, I got one. I can, I mean, like, telling the story takes me right back. It's amazing. And I, I get up to camp. My dad takes it off the hook. And they're sitting down. Hey, dinner's ready. Perfect timing. Sit down, have dinner. No, I'm going back. There's more fish. Right, there's more to catch. And I go back to the creek. And my mom brings down dinner for me at the creek. And I eat dinner. And I fall asleep. She kept, Well, she keeps coming back down. Hey, Chris, it's dark. We could, we're roasting marshmallows. Come up to camp. No, Mom, I'm, I'm waiting for another fish. Yeah. Hey, there's bears down here. There's snakes. Like, you know, you need to come up to camp. I don't care. I'm catching another fish. <laughs> I fall asleep, and I remember my dad picking me up and carrying me back. That's what I remember. I remember being carried back to the camp and put put in my sleeping bag. That's cool. And that was it. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm this is it. That's what spurred the addiction right there. It, yeah, the obsession. So the tug yeah. was the drug. Yeah. The tug was the drug in a big way. It was, um, and I can just remember that story, like it just, just being so lit up right there, right, and yeah. then you know just driving that experience. And so I didn't pick up a fly rod probably till, I think I was around seven or eight. Okay. And back in the day, you know, there was a Kmart, was a big store, and they actually had fly fishing poles. They had flies. They had fly tying. Uh, books and a little kit right? at Kmart. At Kmart, yeah, yeah. So this is like I'm a little older than you, right? <laughs> and this was legit, right? Right, right, right. Um, so I would. There was also back in that time. There was a, there were yellow fronts, and they were outdoor stores. They were locally owned chain of of outdoor type stores. Okay, they were all over Arizona. And they had outside of them, like every other week on the Thursday, the Outdoor Almanac would go, come out. It was a newspaper, like an outdoor newspaper. Right, right. right? But, uh, Bob Hirsch was a big outdoor guy, uh, writer for Game and Fish, uh, wrote the fishing report. You know, he would talk at the sportsman's show and whatnot back in the day, and he would have some write-ups in there. And so I would study those. I would study outdoor life, you know, uh, the fishing magazines. Um, paper magazines come in the mail, right? Right. I'd get those, right? And I'd study them. I mean, I was a little kid, and, like I read voraciously, studied this fish. Right. That's Th well, that's, that's what I, how you learned. Yeah. That's what I was into. Like I was so into it, and so I got turned on to this to the fly fishing, the concept of that. And you know, back in our day, like the allowance was, you go rake leaves. You know, you know, go right. deliver newspapers, right? Yeah. Saved my money, got a fly tying kit, bought a fly rod, and taught myself. From that book, there's no YouTube, right? Here's the book. Right. <laughs> Flip through, find this. And I tied my flies, and I remember being at Woods Canyon, you know, on a little mosquito fly, catching a fish. <laughs> yeah? Um, and then, like, you never saw anybody fly fishing. Right. Yeah, that was... No, it, nobody. It was still right. an East Coast thing at, the, at that point, probably. Maybe, like, I don't know, European thing. I don't know what it was. Right. It, was <laughs> it was not in this world, right? I was the only guy out there, like, trying to figure this out. No, that's pretty, and that's pretty cool. That like, so we're at that when you were a kid, you know, you were like one of the only, probably the only or one of the only guys with a fly rod, you know, in the state. And then now, you know, there's a whole community around just around fly fishing here in in Arizona. Like it's, and it's in this, you know, I'm thinking of places like Lee's Ferry and and like you mentioned all these other creeks and bodies of water in the state that are kind of you know these hubs. And, and destinations for people to go like that was like when did that like when was that transition from fly fishing being the anomaly to part of the culture here? you know I, I tell you it's interesting because there was a world of fly fishing like Lee's Ferry back in those days they were catching enormous trout now some people were we're fly fishing. I know Wendy and Terry Gunn they've you know over 30 years they've been there so like my my beginning was maybe before you know, I'm sure they were fly fishing somewhere, but but their Lee's Ferry adventure was, I think, over 30 years ago, just over 30. And there were, sure, I'm sure, there were people fly fishing, right? But not Arizona. This wasn't really thought of in that way. However, uh, I do remember being about 12 years old, and uh, there was a place called Arizona Fly Fishing, John Romer's store, 
So I don't know if you know the name John John yeah. Romer. Yeah, um, I I think most Arizonians are probably familiar with John Romer. I he's, hope so. He's, anyway. <laughs> he's like the pioneer, right? <laughs> right. Like, and I, I was able to do an interview with him uh, night before grand opening, and I remember saving my money, and there was some material that I wanted. It was one of the books that I had, and and Kmart didn't have it, and so I saved my money and looking in the yellow pages. You might not even know what that is. Yellow pages. It's, yeah, it's. I remember it, but it's. I it gotta, was the I Google. Think back. It was the Google of the day, right? Right. I find Arizona fly fishing. They were literally about seven miles from my house. Okay, and I asked my mom, "Hey, save my money. They got this stuff. I called them. They told me they got it. Can you drive me over there?" And I remember her looking at me and kind of doing a sigh and saying, "Oh, that's too far." <laughs> But, like, to go from Mesa to Tempe, you had to drive through, like, two or three miles of raw desert. Oh, I didn't even think about that. It yeah. was like, yeah, like, we're not going to Tempe. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, I got over there, and those guys took care of me. So it wasn't, you know, I don't know when they started, um, but, but there was a community of fly fishermen. Like, I wasn't privy to it, right? Because that wasn't in my world. We were doing different stuff. and Right. Um, but, I, you know, I think when it got, when I... It really started to kind of grab hold, or when I saw it starting to get more popular, a river runs through it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that it's was... the movie. Yeah, I mean, that was many, you know, that was a couple of decades later after, you know, I got started. But that was where people, you know, there was a lot of people wanted to fly fish. They yeah. saw this movie. It was a fantastic movie. And I think it was great for the fly fishing community. A lot of money came into fly fishing, research and development, right? And and all this. Right. That's kind of what kicked it off kind of. You know, in a lot of ways, it 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 really I think it did, you know. I would say it did. No, that's pretty cool. Like that's and that's it seems like it doesn't matter what forum you're in, like somebody's got a quote from a river runs through it, like in in their signature line or something. Right. Like it's just it's that's yeah. But um, so you started out. You were you started out. Um, you know, as a kid with this, with a fly rod. Uh, where do I want to go with this now? <laughs> so we've kind of come up to the, let's come up to the present day. Uh, what made you want to start? This, you know, we're sitting in the Arizona fly shop. Like, yep. Where did they go from being a, a fly fisherman to being a fly shop owner? Like, where did that happen? You know, it, it, it's an it's an interesting transition. I mean, it, it's there's always been like this fantasy of oh man, it'd be cool to be a fly fishing guide, right? Yeah, like it'd be okay, maybe not. It'd be, but like there was something like it was being on the water like that and doing that. Right. Um, more of a fantasy. Like I really don't want to devote my life to that. Although I love fishing, I realize like guiding that's not going to really be fishing. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, you're taking somebody else fishing. You're not yeah, fishing. You're, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you know that was that's kind of always been there. I love being in fly shops. I love to be in fly shops. Right. So when I'm traveling somewhere. And I drive through, there's flash shop. Oh, I'm going to stop. And right. we get a lot of that in here, surprisingly. You know, people right. just, you know, are, are from out of town. They, oh, I just, I want to see the flash shop. So you just see what's going on. Um, and there's a lot of great conversation that happens in here, right? So, I mean, there's, there's kind of that little piece. You love being in it. Uh, you know, really, you look back on Arizona fly shops, and there have been numerous ones around the one i really remember was arizona fly fishing john romer store yes and being a, a teenager a young teenager and those guys kind of coaxing me along and helping me out right fueling my obsession <laughs> right. as a teenager right um and that was a neat experience to have that so you know he closed down and we don't have his shop another shop had opened up um, Desert Sportsman's, and there may have been a, there may have been something else before it was Desert Sportsman's, but it kind of yeah, yeah. I think they were there for maybe about twenty years or close. Yeah, to it. it was just Desert Sportsman's when I moved here. Yeah, so I think it may have been Scottsdale Fly Fishing at one point in time, and they kind of I think they opened up about the time that Romer Store shut down. Okay, kind of filling that that niche that that void. Kind of. Yeah, and I think you know Romer from me talking to him uh, had a lot of conversations with him. I fished with him from time to time in the White Mountains, and he you know just uh, it was kind of a you know triage of events for him that didn't work for him, and one of them was the internet was new, 
right? Yeah. And then you start to get some big box stores that come in, uh, Sportsman's Warehouse, okay, a few locations. And then you got Cabela's and you got Bass Pro. And so all of this kind of combined, like, changed the marketplace for him. You know, product availability, you know, uniqueness and whatnot kind of diluted the market for him. And, and he'd been there a long time, and it just, it just didn't fly. And I, I'm not sure that – I mean, I think people today recognize, hey, I want to have a fly shop to go to, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, all of that, like, it's kind of in my brain. Um, I'm fishing. I've got a family. I'm raising a family. I've got a business that I run. I've run for 30 years. I built for myself. And really, Desert Sportsman's closed down about a year ago. And I would frequent that store. It wasn't the store that I said my favorite fly shop, for example, right? Right. Wasn't it? Uh, my favorite fly shops in Billings, Montana, East Rosebud Fly Shop. If you haven't been there, you got to go there. Got like to go check it out. There. Oh, if you're in that area, it's it's phenomenal. I mean, the guy is a rocker. He's got a tattoo of fly fishing scene down both arms, right? <laughs> uh, he's got a Sunday night show on the radio, uh, on TV, local TV, talking about fly fishing. Um, and I went in, my dad and I were up there on a trip and we stopped in the shop and, you know, a lot of fly shops are very standoffish in terms of like where to go fish, what to use, what to do. You know, they're just, uh, right. They're in kind of like this, this weird, like gray area. Like you got like a lot of local guys, you know, the fly fishermen themselves, you know, get notoriously tight lipped. I mean, we all do. It doesn't matter if you hunt fish, whatever, you get tight lipped. Mm -hmm. Then you got um but at the same time you're providing a service and it's kind of like i always feel like like being a, a fly shop or being a guide in any kind of thing is you gotta hit that gray area where you're, supposed to, where you're helping people out but you're not giving up your honey holes at the same time you know i, I mean i'm sure there's some of that i, I you know however and that's been a lot experience of a lot of fly shops that i've been in mm -hmm. right so this guy I mean, he was so friendly it was unbelievable and we're just gabbing. Hey, where are you from? What's, oh, you're from Phoenix. Oh, what are you? How long are you here? What are you doing? Are you fishing? Are you? Yeah, well, we want to fish. And, and my dad and I want to fish. And you know, we're going to fish the bighorn with so and so. Oh, I know that guy. I love that guy. And you know, before I know it, he's got a map book out, and he burns a copy of the couple of pages off this map book. Don't buy the book. I'll just make you some copies of where you need to go. Right? Highlights some spots. Okay, you can get in the river here and you can fish up and down, all this. Just stay in the middle, you know, stay from the high water mark. You're safe to fish all the way along. Here's another entry point over here. Here's this, like, just laid all this out. Hey, fish this stuff here. Hey, try this here. Hey, you're going to run into this kind of stuff up there and boom, boom. It was just amazing how friendly the guy was. And so we're in Billings for a week and I think I, I probably stopped in there three or four times just to. Stop in and let him know what was happening, what we were doing, and what we were going. Right. And just a bomb of people there all the time, right? He's got a great online store. And so I just said, like, that is the bomb of a store, of, of an experience of being in a fly shop, right? Right. That's, that's where the bar is at. That, to me, was the bar. And so Desert Sportsman's closed down about a year ago. And, um, and I never, you know, I, I don't want to badmouth Desert Sportsman's. It wasn't the type of atmosphere or the kind of shop that I would say I'd want to call my own, right? It wasn't really, you know, it was all, it was very high-end stuff, which I love. I love the high-end stuff. That's, that's what I like to play with, but that's not where the rest of the world can all play. That's not where they want to play. Like it's just different experiences for different people. They were always really tight-lipped about what they were doing, right? Mm -hmm. And so they closed down and it kind of crossed my mind like, hey, I wonder what the heck and uh, I own this building. My wife and I own the building we're in. And it, we had a doctor in here. They were leased out for 20 years to a doctor. I've got another office in the back. So they closed down Thanksgiving of last year. And we're trying to figure out, what do we want to do with this? I said, yeah, maybe we should open a fly shop. Fly shop? Maybe. I don't know. Let's, let's talk about it. So the idea was, was kind of born. And I started to look at it and play with it. And honestly, I, you know, I wasn't certain, is there enough business in Phoenix, enough of a need for this? I mean, it's not a destination fishing spot, right? Right, right, right. Um, yeah, like, okay. And I'm trying to do some numbers in my head and sketching out some numbers around this, right? I've been in business for 30 years. I've had several different businesses. And, you know, I, I, it, I had to overcome 
that this was about money, right? So that was a struggle for me because everything in business for me up to this point was, okay, it should be profitable, right? And right. I got a business that's profitable and that works. I got several businesses, right? I've owned quite a bit of rental real estate and play in that world. So one of the big hurdles I had to get over was, hey, this is not going to make a million bucks. It's not going to, <laughs> right? And what really, you know, for me is I came to the realization that, you know what? Phoenix needs a fly fishing shop. The community in Phoenix, we need to have one. I wasn't sure of the demand, but I knew that Phoenix needed to have, like to me, a kick-ass fly shop. A right. place for the community to gather, to meet each other, for the community to grow, for people to learn, for people to be served. And it took me a little while to get myself to that place and say, I'm not doing this as I'm running a business and I want to put a business in place. I want to put a fly shop in place that serves the community. And I want to build this in such a way that it will be here serving the community 50 years from now. Right. Looking at a long term. Yeah. And I'm not going to be here 50 years from now. And I probably won't have uh, involvement. I, I mean, really, for me, I'm, I've told the guys in the shop, like, I don't want to be involved the way that I am for very long. Like, like to me, five years at the long shot. Right, hand it off. Yeah, if I'm still here 10 years from now, there's a problem. <laughs> like something's not working. Okay? Right. Um, and I won't, you know, I'm not in the shop all the time anyhow, as it is. I, I've got other stuff that I'm involved with. Um, you know, I sit on several uh, charitable boards in town, and I've got a lot of activities that I'm involved with. But I just said, let's, let's build this in such a way that we can serve the community for the next 50 years. And, and we'll put the structure in place, and we'll get this going. It's been amazing. We've been open a little over a month, and it has been freaking amazing, the people that have showed up and the community that has come out to allow us to serve them. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty awesome. You know, the, the, I've been here way more than I'd like to admit. You know, buying tie supplies or coming down to, to hanging out with, with everybody, and it's never did. Like, like, and I come down, you know, with, with my schedule, I'm pretty free in the afternoons and I, I hate traffic. Yeah. So I try to get in here before, you know, the, the 51 becomes insane. Right. And I'll come in here and be between 11 a.m. and 1 o'clock, right? And yeah. I'm never the only client here. I'm not the only customer in around. And, and I think that that's pretty badass in all reality, just that there's... It's not just a thing, you know, oh, yeah, guys, you know, oh, you know I'll stop in after work or, you know, I'll, I'll make a trip on Saturday or something. It's, right. It's like, no, I'm, you know, I'm tying. Oh, yeah, I'm going to run in a fly shop. I'm going to go hang out with, with Ethan or Chris Bear or, or um, uh, Rich or, you know, I'm going to go talk to the guys and hang out. And um, I always walk in with a smile and walk out with a smile. I mean, I'm, I'm, and I'm not trying to, like, butter it up at all. I'm just saying, like, it's it's been awesome for, just from my end as – you know, before we even thought about doing a podcast over here, is, right. you know, this is this is pretty slick. I mean, you're not getting this at Sportsman's. You're not getting this at Bass Pro. You, you know, I put on the sign outside, the friendliest fly shop in the world. Yeah. Right? We are the friendliest fly shop in the world. We're committed to that. And, you know, every I get, I've done a lot of social media presence. I've done a lot of videos. They're fun to do. I've had a good time doing them. Uh, it's gotten the word out. And every, I get a lot of interaction and I see a lot of people talking about the shop online and everybody is, that's one of the comments, they say, man, that's a friendly place. So, you know, people that bought in here, they bought into that culture that, hey, we're, we're friendly. We're here to be friendly. We're here to, here to serve you, take care of you. Uh, yesterday we had a guy come in. He works in a bow shop, an archery shop in town. Okay. And uh, he was helping us with some um point of service software they use the same kind and he knows it inside and out and this was cool and blah, blah, blah. And he wanted to start fly fishing so the guys set him up they hook him up and that was in the morning i remember seeing him here and introducing myself and talking to him and then i see on social media later in the day you know he's got a picture of his fly rod he's out at a body of water some urban lake fishing and now he's got a picture of the next one he's got a picture of a bass you know and he's like man this is so <laughs> rad i go in there and literally within hours i'm catching fish 
with the rig that I just bought. These guys are awesome. They set me up. They helped me get set up. They told me exactly how to do it, what to do. Gave me the, got me the flies, and I'm out catching fish. That's pretty awesome. I mean, you know, that's phenomenal. There was a little girl come in opening weekend. And they'd come in on the Saturday, and they came back on the Sunday. She'd saved her money. She bought a fly tank kit. Okay. All right. You think I can relate to this? Yeah. She's about 12 <laughs> years old. Right. right. The next night, her dad's got on social media. You know, she tied her own. She wouldn't go to sleep. She had her kit. She tied her own fly. And she usually got pictures of her tying her own fly. Right. Here oh, it is. That's awesome. And then I think she went and caught a fish with it. Right. Like, I mean, come on. Come on. Yeah. That's, 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 and then that's exactly what I love about all this is just that, you know, not just that it's like you said, like it's, you're not going to make a million bucks at it. But, you know, you make what you make. But the, the human side of it over here is, is, is what I bought into the most. Well, it, it, it's, it's interesting because I, you know, I've fished for over 45 years and I catch fish. I catch a lot of fish. I really don't even care anymore. I don't care. I don't count. I don't, you know, a few years ago, I, I quit counting. I quit keeping track. Used to be I was on a fishing trip. I'm like, I got to make sure I'm catching more than anybody else, right? Like that was it, you know. And when I used <laughs> to be, be when that I, guy. used to be when I would snow ski, I had to get more runs than anybody else, right? I, I had all this right for a, a period of time in my life, and but for the last I don't know many many years, it's it like shifted for me, and it's it's not about that. There's a, a Ralph Waldo, uh, no uh, Thoreau, David Thoreau, quote that many fly fishermen fish their entire lives. And never realize it's not the fish that they're after. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and I get that now. Right? It's not the fish I'm after. So when I I started these videos about the shop and I literally said, Hey Phoenix, I you know, I remember doing my first video. Phoenix is gonna have a new fly shop. I'm Chris Rich, here's the shop, this is where it's gonna be. And I took the all the way through demolition of the building. To, here's what it's going to look like. Here's what's going to be. You know, here's the fly tying room. Here's the here's the rod room. Here's the classroom, and like brought the community along with me. Yeah. Right. As I started doing those videos and gotten the word got out quickly, people showed up, and people showed up from all over that I had just met somewhere out in the wild, right? Like out in the middle of nowhere, out on a creek. We met each other. We spent some time together fishing, and we kept in touch from time to time. Maybe followed each other on social media. Maybe we talked from time to time, but not not very often. But you know, we'd bump into each other again. Right. And I had like it was surprising how many people they showed up at the shop and said, "Hey, I'm a master craftsman. I can help you build this out, and I don't want to get paid. I just want to help you get the shop open." I I mean, we had at least a dozen of those people, and not just like, "Hey, I got two hours here." These people dedicated, you know, eight, ten hours a day for months, sometimes, you know, at a time. It was unreal. But, you know, it was, it's that human connection, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's that. And I think, I think that just shows how, like, I know you were saying, you know, about, about um, not being sure about the need of the community. Right. But I think the community proved that they wanted you here. Oh, kind of. In a, in a, you know, I can't tell you how many people, and it's, you know, my wife. My wife does not fish, right? She's been out with me a couple times on my boat. Right. She'll go out and, and sit there, not very often, but she will. And she was around, and she was helping, and she every day she'd go home, and there all these people show up. She's like, "This is freaking unbelievable! How does this happen? How do you get this to happen?" I, I don't know. I just, you know. <laughs> you know, so yeah, they, they've they've found a need, and then the other piece that'll happen since we've been open, it literally feels like at least once a day somebody walks through the door, they'll see me, they recognize me from the videos, and it's it essentially maybe some variation of this, but it's thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for opening the shop. <laughs> uh, we wanted this so long. Thank you for doing this. Right, so. I mean, people have really been appreciative. It's it's been phenomenal. One of the things John Romer mentioned when I interviewed him is he said, you know, in the in the twenty plus years or twenty five years that he ran his shop, 
He said, I could count on less than one hand the number of people that walked through my door over 25 years that I didn't like. Fly fishermen <laughs> are fun people. They're great people, right? And so to have this environment, and I think the environment will grow. We've got some club chairs in the back. We've got a coffee machine. We encourage people. We want people to come in here and, and hang out and meet other people, see what they're up to. Like that's the environment that we want to create. We've got classes starting up, right, yep. in an effort to grow the community of fly fishing, in, in an effort to grow the community of fly tires, and we've got fly time meetups happening on a weekly basis. They've been phenomenal. They happen every Thursday night. You can look at them on our website. You can sign up for them on our website. Right. You can get your tickets. and Yep. Yeah. Get registered. Yeah, because um, I know I've, been, I've attended uh, actually all three of them so far. <laughs> oh, the, oh, the meetups. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've been coming for all the yeah. meetups. And so, I mean, just a way for people to, you know, have somewhere where people can connect with each other. Uh, you know, Ethan, um, master photographer, he... His, he went out and fished the Salt River with somebody they met in the shop. Right. That there was you go. me, actually. Oh, that was you. Oh, you went. Yeah. You suckers. I got a broken leg, and I'm pissed off and jealous. I can't go anywhere. I got my leg in a cast. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, that was – yeah, we uh, went down and threw some streamers and messed around with the bass for a little while. Oh, I'm just fantasizing about that right now. I'm taking my switch rod out there with my sink tip, and I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, it's, um, and, and that's part of it is, you know, it's, you know, I mean, Ethan didn't know me from Adam. and I thought your name was Adam. Not, I'm, te not, I'm teasing. Not I'm today, teasing. Not I'm today. teasing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. Well, not today. But, um, you know, didn't know me from Adam. It's like, hey, you know, is anybody free? Let's let's go fishing. And I was like, well, shit, I ain't got nothing going on. So, so hey, I'm free. Yeah. Next thing I know, he's texting me. He said, hey, meet me at this address. And, you know, we went out and drifted the river. And, I love it. That's what we want. Yeah, and it's and it's and he was proven. Uh, well, not just the streamers. Um, even talked, you know, showed me, proved to me why I need to have those little poppers you got out front, <laughs> the, the, the foam frog poppers. Oh yeah, yeah, I've yeah. got a few of those now. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's fishing and selling at the same time. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so yeah, the community. Right, I mean, because you're doing something tonight, right? That's all we had to move We've a got bunch the of primer out of to fly fishing tonight. Right? It's a two-hour class from zero to hero, right? From a zero fly fisherman to a hero. You're ready to walk out the door and catch fish, rig up your own line, tie your own knots, put on your own flies, have it make an educated selection about what, you know, what my rod is. I got the right line. I got the right rod. I got my setup. I can make a selection about what type of flies and why am I using what I'm using, right? And, yep. and go out and get the tug. Because the tug is the drug, baby. <laughs> yeah, we know that. No, and that's pretty awesome. And that's something that I, I think is going to – obviously, you have a lot of folders here. So I'm, I'm, a lot of folks have already signed up for just, just – for. this is the initial one. This is the first one we're doing, right, of, the, of the primer to fly fishing, right? The primer to fly fishing. And then are these these, these primers – are these a, the monthly course or are these kind this of once right in a while? Now, I, think it's, I think this is our first one. We're kind of saying, hey, once a month. Ultimately, I'd like to be where we're doing one a week. Like oh, every Tuesday cool. night, we're doing these. And so, you know, I think getting the word out. I mean, there's a – so a lot of people, you know, our grand opening, I think we may have had about 700 people come through the door. It was insane. I don't know if you are here grand yeah, opening. It was, yeah. 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 It was crazy. I mean, it was just wild for all of us. The place was packed. It was packed. And people, like a lot of people, like, you know, they were here for two, three hours and then it's like they went and got something to eat. Then they just came back and they just were hanging out. Like they just wanted to be and talk and, you know, all this. It was, it was extremely cool. And, um, and people have asked for classes. They want classes. But a lot of those people were brand new to fly fishing. You know, so that was really exciting. Like to open up a world to people that was maybe out of reach. And I think for a lot of people... You know, fly fishing is, there's just, there's some mystique about it. How do I do it? How do I get going? What do I need? I've taken a lot of people. I love to take new people fly fishing. I love to do it, right? And I do it any chance. Anytime I get a chance, I take them out. Now, oftentimes what happens is maybe, maybe it's just a friend of mine, or maybe it's a friend and he's got some kids and we mm -hmm. go out and I kind of do everything for them. I rig up their lines and, and, and I'm not a licensed guide, but I, kind of treat them like I'm a guide and, and help them and help right. them catch fish, right? Right. Um, mentoring, pretty much. Yeah, kind of mentoring. And then, and I've got a bunch of extra fly rods, 
you know, at the cabin for that purpose that I can take a bunch of people out and, and go fishing with them. And, but oftentimes then, you know, you've got a father and he's, he's got a boy or a couple of boys and Hey, how do I get this going with my son? I mean, I, I you did everything and it was an amazing experience, but I can't right. go do it. How now. do you keep like, what do I do? Right. Right. Gotta keep that rock rolling. Yeah. And so this class tonight is able to take someone from zero to hero in two hours. So they, they can, you know, the etymology, what are we trying to do when we're fly fishing? You know, we're imitating etymology in the water. What is that etymology life? What is the life cycle? What does it look like? And what are these different flies that we're looking at? And, you know, we've got 1,100 different fly patterns out in, the, in our store. So what are, how do we pick, right? right? Like, how do we decide? And so this class kind of takes you through the whole thing of, you know, what we're trying to do when we're fly fishing. And now let's go to the fly bin. Let's look at these different fly patterns that are imitating different pieces of the life cycle or bait fish or crawfish or, or whatever pattern it is that we're using. Hey, what is, okay, the rod. And, and what's the difference in the rods and, and a, you know, a five weight or a 10 weight or a four weight or a fast action or a slow action um, or the lines. And what's the differences in the lines, right? A floating line, a sinking line, a, a, you know, a, a big shooting head, a, a, a micro shooting head, you know, a creek line. And so all these variations, right? Can right, be, right. oh, it's overwhelming. Oh, so, it is for sure. Yeah. We want to like, let's unveil the mystique. And let's get someone in a position where they can go out and get their own tug. That's pretty cool. And that's and that's I think that's part of this community is what we've been lacking out here is because you know it's you go to the big box stores and you know I can't slam them because you know I shop at them. Um, but at the same time, it's it's just a, a single point use. You know, you don't have other layers right. involved. Um, actually taking you from you know say here's yeah you know give us. 200 bucks and here's a rod and reel go go nuts yeah so, all right i got a rod and reel what now right you know how do i go from this to the tug you right. know and then i think a lot of folks too i think one thing that I, um i've been wanting to i'm gonna have to segue here it's pretty cool because i want to get into it's not just a trout culture around here i know and a lot of arizonians know this um but just actually how little I can't say little because there's a lot here. I keep looking at Ethan like he's going to be on the podcast. But he doesn't have Mike anyways. <laughs> um, you know, it's trout. I think everybody, when they, they think about trout or they think about fly fishing initially, they think about river runs through. They're thinking about trout. They're thinking about, um, you know, the rainbows, the brownies, whatever. But here in the valley, you guys are catering to that plus a whole other section of, of fishing. Um and I know the desert bonefish is kind of a popular topic around here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So when, going back into your own history, when did you start targeting these guys? These, and maybe explain what I'm talking about by a desert bonefish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the carp. The magical carp. Yeah. So, you know, I when did I begin kind of doing that? Uh, probably five, six years ago. You know, I mean, it's definitely picked up a lot of steam since I've been doing it. Um, and, you know, I um, I remember telling my dad that I was chasing carp on the fly rod. And he, he just kind of looked at me like, carp? Seriously? Like, what? <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and, as he's, and then I took him out of the canal one day and we caught a big grass carp. I mean, probably close to a 40-inch grass carp. Oof. I mean, it was behemoth, right? And then he was like, oh, Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they're challenging, right? I mean, it's so challenging. It's right here in town. Um, it's all around us. Yep. And, and you can go chase them. And it's super challenging. And they're the most challenging fish that I've ever chased. Right? It's humbling. Um, I've been out on days. I went out with, with uh, Bear Trap, the poster child for Carp Dynasty. <laughs> and and uh, we, were, we had some grass carp on the surface feeding. Mm-hmm. And I've taken out some legit fly fishermen and introduced them to the carp thing. And their first reaction was, ah, I don't know about this. And they just come along, come along. And after the first day they're in, they're hooked. They're like, oh, my gosh, this is really, we got something going on here. In fact, I've got a guy that wants to write an article for, for Southwest Fly Fishing 
Um, I think I think we're working on that. So I, I remember I took him out, and this guy I met him at the San Juan River. He's fly fished all over the world, really into it. I mean, there's not an adventure I've been on that he hasn't been on, and and he's legit. So we get out, and I can see him surfacing, which he misses. Right? He's like, what? Oh, and then finally I pointed. Oh, I get it. I get it. I see him now because they're not. It's not easy to spot them surfacing. Like when you see a trout surface, oh, I either hear it or I see a ripple in the water. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times with these grass carp, you don't see that. Like they're so soft and so slow that you don't see them surfacing. You really have to be able to pick out and see way ahead of time where they're at and what's happening, right? Right, it's very minute. It's very minute and it does take some work to do that. So I, I identify him, I get him to see him. And then he makes the very common mistake that everybody makes first time is he wants to get closer to get a cast. Yeah. And I tried to stop him. You can't go, you can't, you got to make a cast from that guy. He said, no, this is an 80 foot cast. I said, David, you got to stay. Well, he get, tries to take like, get to 75 feet and whoosh, they're gone. Yeah. I said, dude, he said, you got to be kidding me. This is it. Now, some days I've been out and you can get to within 50 feet of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some days it's easy. Not very many of those days. So Bear Trap and I were out, we see some grass carp, they're surfacing. And there was a lot of them surfacing. And as we moved up to them, they just slowly moved up in front of us. They didn't spook, right? Right. Just kind of just you literally out of reach. had to make a 90-foot cast all of your fly line to have a shot at them. Jeez. I mean, and there's days chasing carp that that's what you have to do. Otherwise, you don't have a chance. I mean, it's, it's something. It's, it's an unreal experience. I know that's, well, that's, probably, that's a lot of why I've gotten into it so much is... You know, because I'm just getting into fly fishing. I've only been doing it about a year. Uh -huh. And, you know, I started out on stocker, stocker rainbows yep. in the salt, the lower salt. And, you know, that's it's all right. Actually, on my first day was game and fish put on like a little education seminar kind of thing up at, uh, and we wound up at, at Dead Horse State Park. Mm -hmm. And they just gave us all a bunch of five weights and tied on some hare's ears and, you know, kind of taught us how to do a roll cast and, you know, said, hey, you know. Go crazy. Go nuts. See what you can catch. And in half an hour, I think I caught 15 or 20 bluegills. Not knowing what I was doing with the roll cast. I mean, I spent most of my time yeah. just trying to figure that out. But when I could get it there, just catching these these little bluegills in the shallows on a five-way. I mean, I thought it was like a five-way. You know, I'm thinking bigger bigger fish. And Man, the the tug those little guys do. Because, I mean, I've, I grew up catching bluegills. Mm -hmm. on like ultralights and light action rods and you know, uh, four-pound test, six-pound test. I preferred the fly on a fly rod on a five weight. Oh yeah, you know just the way they, you know, they were. Um, I know they were Reddington rods, but I think I'm, and I'm still trying to learn the whole fast versus slow and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, just a little tug, you know, the the, the bend that they, those little guys are putting in the rods, like this, this is a lot of fun. I want to figure this out a little bit more. And, yeah. Uh, you know, so you know, you the, know, there, there's a lot. This game, there is so much to this game. I mean, the, it's wicked. The, the, the bug life, understanding the bug life, understanding, you know, what the fish are doing, mm -hmm. um, you know, understanding the cast, the equipment. I mean, there's just so, so many pieces, and it doesn't need to be complicated. However, if that's what kind of grabs your interest, you can go down the rabbit hole mm -hmm. and then tie in your own flies if you want to go down that rabbit hole. And you know, that's, Which, that's a rabbit hole. That's a whole other tangent off the rabbit hole right there. It, it, it is. I mean, a person can kind of enter and be and play at, at any little level of, of whatever it is that they, you know, whatever their desire is and like what, what their personality style is. Yeah. But it's, a, you know, I, I'll bring it back. The, the, uh, the human connection that happens yeah. in fly fishing mm -hmm. to me is just amazing. And there's, like you say, we've got the carp, we chase the carp, it's becoming a thing. Like every day people are coming in here talking about wanting to go chase carp and catch carp. And it's catching on in a big way. We're going to have carp tournaments. We're working on those. Um, so we're going to, That's going to be, so that's going to be different, but it's going to be fun. It'd be fun. I mean, there's some places <laughs> to do it. And, and so, you know, we'll, we'll pick up on what they're doing. And that's something that we want to do just because it's a neat opportunity. It's easy. Everybody can go do it. And listen, I get the trout fishing. I love to be in the mountains in yeah. the hot summer, and I, I love to do that. And so I do that as much as I can, right? Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes now, even in the mountains, I'll go chase carp. <laughs> like there's places you can chase carp, right? So 
Um, right. They, they, they're, they're kind of putting on to you as much as you've kind of. And, and you know, you on. talked about the, the trout. Yeah, that's kind of what you think of for fly fishing. Yeah. Um, listen, I caught a 180 pound blue shark on a fly rod. Right, so that's got to be a ride. That was a pretty wild. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Right, so I mean, they, they chase all kinds of fish. They chase marlin on the fly rod. You know, dorado, peacock bass. Uh, I've got a trip planned to, to the Amazon to chase peacock bass on the fly rod. That's right? pretty cool. Cause that's when I was when I was first looking up uh, canal fishing with a fly rod. You know, you type in like canal fishing before you put it in Arizona. It's not just you know, cause here it's it's about the grass carp, the common carp. You know, guys are catching catfish and bass, and you know, there's yep. a lot in there. But then I was also reading about the guys in Miami walking the canals in in Florida catching peacocks. Mm-hmm. The, the I forget if they're invasive or introduced or what the story is over there with the peacocks in Florida. But yeah, it's just like they're just. just but it's staying here in Arizona. It's it's right out the back door. You know, it's I can be I can load up a truck, leave the house, and I can be fishing in five minutes. You know that's that's line that's rod rigged out and everything, and I'm I'm You're on the water. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's amazing, and you know, and I, I mean I like it because uh, right now I've got a broken leg, so I'm not very mobile, and I don't <laughs> want to be out in, in chance falling in the water with, with the cast on and whatnot. But I mean, there's a lot of times I'll drive around with a fly rod in the back of my rig, right? Yeah. And I got an hour, two hours. You know what? I'm gonna go hit the canal right here. Yeah. And I can just go hit it for a little bit, or I've got you know. I, uh, call a buddy and you know, hey, what do you think? What are you doing? Hey, let's go hit this section of the canal. I see some grass carp on top, and so boom! All of a sudden, we're you know, there we are fishing for forty-five minutes in the middle of the day, and all right, let's go back to work. Right, you know, and and that's pretty cool. And I guess one of the great things. I mean, we got we got the canal system. We got you mentioned the urban lakes. Um, mm-hmm. We're right here by Roadrunner. Yep, um, right by the shop here. And if I remember, I seen an advert. Um, you guys do like uh, casting clinics and stuff over we, there, right? We've got private lessons, uh, one-on-one. We've got group lessons available, uh, certified casting instructors. Um, we will have some casting clinics as time goes on. I think we'll probably okay. wait till the fall to do that when the weather starts to get a little bit nicer. Right, yeah. <laughs> right? And so we'll have some clinics. We'll have, uh, we'll have days where we bring out the, uh, you know, the sage rep, and they'll bring their whole lineup of rods. And somebody can go over and you know, they can sign up and then go over and cast all of the sage rods from their, you know, high-powered salt HD rod designed, you know, a 10-weight or a 12-weight designed to ta- catch a tarpon or a dorado or a sailfish, right? Right, right, right? All the way down to their little tiny creek rod. And so you can you know, really feel the differences and, and, and see like, oh my gosh, I see that this is not just a one-stick wonder, right? Like there's, there are, like they've, sage has really got... As a company, they got quality products, and they've got like there's nobody that covers the bases of fly fishing the way they do. Right, they've kind of filled every niche they can think of. Oh, with their rods, man, man, <laughs> and they got a lot of them, and yeah. they all work good, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I mean, just with maybe a newbie, but like as far as like the brands go, like I'm thinking like, does I don't think there is a bad rod anymore, is there? It's, I mean, everybody's got everybody's good, everybody's um. You know, there might be better rods, but like, you know, I'm just a, like, so a as lot far of folks getting a, into a, it, a lot of it's preference, right? Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of it that's preference. Um, you know, I I've got a um, a Sage X fly rod. I mean, I've got Sages. I own Winston's. I own Orvis. I own you know Scotts. I mean, I've got I've got a lot of rods that right. I've accumulated over the years, and I fish all of them. I like them all, um, and I like them for a little bit different applications that I figured out. Yep. And I, you know, I picked up that Sage X, and it's a, it's their flagship main stick for Sage. I cast well. I'm a good caster. I've been casting a long time. I've had lessons. I've, I've worked on my cast. And that rod, when I first got it, I, it took me a while to figure it out. I mean, it took me a while to figure out. Like this just doesn't, you know, like the timing and the, and the release point. I ended up on the phone with the rod designer for Sage. Right, this was years ago. Okay, it wasn't in the fly shop business, and I just, you know, I called up Sage. And I just wanted to, like, hey, what the heck with this rod? You know, do I should I put a, a line heavier on it, or how do I do this? And then we talked, and you know, his first question is, well, it's it's hard to say. Like, what is your level of casting? I said, oh, I cast, I cast good. I'm a legit caster. Okay, you know, he said, and he basically said, just spend three days with it. Spend three days with it and see where you're at. Call me back. 
and by the you know before three days came up i found like where that sweet spot was right um so you know that and now i'm in love with that rod right <laughs> i'm in love with it now if i'm if i'm throwing my winston b3 and then i pick that up it's like one or two casts oh there's that spot again right yeah it's muscle memory so um you know it's a preference it's a preference of you know what you want what you like um, I fished a lot of different fly rods. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of one of my fish that I don't like. Right. They're, right? All, they're all good. They're Just all great. They're all great. They're all high quality. You know, I, I, what I would say is warranty mm-hmm. is, you know, a big deal. Right. So a Sage, an Orvis, a Winston, you know, a reputable company that's got a good warranty. Now, it's, you know, I went probably 40 years and never broke a fly rod. And I said, well, how do people break a freaking fly rod, right? <laughs> they start knocking on And wood. in the last five years, I've broken eight of them. Jeez. <laughs> now, two of them weren't mine. I was in Alaska, and I was using a guide's rod, and they were somebody had nicked it, and, and I hooked a big salmon, and it broke. Um, and then I just, you know, accidents happened. But, you know, being able to send that back, have them send it back to you, that's a big deal. Yeah, for sure. That's a big deal to, to do that. So I think warranty is a big deal. And then from there, I think, you know, just like what your preference is. Yeah. Certainly casting. Okay. There's a whole world of casting. Like to me, I take a lot of brand new fly fishermen. My objective is get their line out on the water. Like how do I easiest get their line out on the water? I'm not trying to get them to do a perfect cast. Just get it out so the flies in the water. Give them a chance to get the tug. Right. Right? That's what I want to do. Um, You know, for me, as I've advanced up in my casting, um, I can utilize, I can't say I can utilize all of what a Sage X has to offer. I can utilize most of it. Like when I go down to a rod that's not got quite as much backbone, Mm. I'll max that rod out. And it's like, hey, this is this is all you're going to get out of that rod, right? Now, for most people, they're not going to get there. No big deal. It doesn't matter, right? It's it's fine. That rod's going to work just fine. It's going to do everything you need it to do, everything you want it to do. Right. And so, you know, price point is a is a is a, is an issue as well. Um, and and then from there, it's kind of like preference and what you know what suits your casting style. You know, one of the things when I, you know, for me as a fly fisherman, I've I've been, you know, used to be in Cabela's or Bass Pro Shop, you could go in there and pick up a Winston flagship rod, okay, an $800, $900 rod. You could pick up a Sage X or a Sage Z-axis or whatever the flagship rod for Sage was. You could pick up an Orvis Helios and you could go cast them. Mm -hmm. And like, I could feel like, what does that feel like to cast? Let me cast the Orvis. Oh, let me cast the Sage. Let me cast the Winston. Let me cast this Taylor. Let me cast it against a Beulah and really start to feel the differences, right? And then say, oh, this one like really agrees with the way that I cast, right? Right. And you I mean, in Cabela's Bass Pro, you can't do that anymore. They don't carry those. They don't even carry them on their website. And But at one time, like probably 15 years ago, they did have all those and they had them in the store and you could do that but now for you know for quite a while there's nowhere in phoenix a city of seven million people that you can go put what now there is because we got az fly shop (laughs) right but you can actually put those rods in your hand and say let me see what these feel like before i drop a big chunk of money on it right and it's funny that you had mentioned earlier too that you had a guy in here from one of the bow shops because to me like those are the two industries where a, a pro shop definitely outshines the big box but it's because it's a, like archery tackle i come from the bow hunting world i come from the hunting world the hunting side of things and a bow is so it's innate but it's also personal and i feel like a fly rod is the same way it's but and you just can't get that without without trying it out like without going out out back or whatever and you know casting that rod or drawing that bow back you're not going to know until you do it, yeah. you know. And, and so I, I shoot, I shoot a, a bow as well, and um, you, you know, I my uh, and I've got a coach that I've, I shoot with for part of the year when I'm getting ready for archery season. Yeah, and and I bought a new bow last year. Um, I didn't do exactly what he said to buy it. Right, he <laughs> said, "Go shoot a bunch of bows and let the bow choose you." Choose you. Yeah. Right, like if you heard that before, you knew what I was going to say. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I've been so, in that rabbit hole. <laughs> so I bought a PSE, right? 
because Pete Shipley is a buddy of mine. I team rope with him. He still team ropes. Really? Yeah. I team so I team rope with him. So I was like, I'm kind of partial to PSE. So I was like, I'm gonna have a, a Pete Shipley bow is what I'm gonna have in my hand because he's a buddy of mine. Right. Um, but then within those, I shot a few different ones, and this was the one that kind of picked me from that range. Um, and then you know, even you know, there's a. I bought their flagship, their high, their top end bow. And it's, you know, the carbon fiber, it's super light. It's, but you know, it started to creak. It was this, it was that, right? And having that pro shop where somebody was able to deal with it, mm-hmm. huge deal. Huge deal to have that. If right. I'm trying it's to figure that on my own, yeah, that's it's... hopeless, right? <laughs> I, got sure. in, I bought a two-handed fly rod about a year ago, year and a half ago. I fished Pyramid Lake and they fished those up there and... and and I bought this two-handed fly rod, which is a, I bought a switch rod. Never had one in my hand. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, I'll, it was the only rod I ever bought online that I didn't put in my hands. But I talked to some guides about, you know, is this a good one? Is this going to work? Yeah, this is the bomb. It's, you're going to love it. Okay. So I went ahead and bought it. I thought, you know, it's an Orvis. If I don't like it, I can send it back. So I buy it. And then with that, you've got to buy line that's going to match up to it. Right? There's a Skagit head and a Skagway head and there's Skagit and Skagway and there's all this terminology. And I'm watching videos. I think YouTube's going to help me. Right? So I study it all. I'm trying to, I'm reading, I'm watching the videos and I cannot make this thing work. I can't get it to where it's working. And, and I did all the stuff. I bought the line that Orvis said, this is the one that matches this and whatnot. And I ended up getting on the phone with a, a guide from Alaska that I fished with, and I'm headed there in August again. And he said, oh, this is the line you want to get for that rod. It's going to make all the difference. I, I got the line finally. I mean, I had to go through like three or four different, you know, $150 lines to finally, <laughs> I got the right one, but I got to the right person, right? Put that on. Now the rod started to sing. It started to work. It started to really, you know, wow. So I, you, you just... I've been fly fishing my entire life, and I'm trying to figure this out because there's nowhere in Phoenix at the time that I could get help. Right. Yeah. So now, AZ Fly Shop, we can help with that. We can cut that learning curve down, right, and, and get somebody into a program, into a situation, into a rod, into a, equipment that's going to work for them to be able to go out and have a great experience. And that's pretty cool. That's and that's what I think we needed this this whole time. But uh, oh, we've got it now, so we don't need it anymore. Oh, well, yeah, we do. But yeah, um, I just I'm just I'm just sitting here thinking like I just can't believe you guys have been open for a month. It just feels like you guys have been around for a while. <laughs> but it's only been a month. Like you know, it's I don't know. I, I don't know why that I, that's just clicking in my head right now. You know, I but, love the traffic. It's amazing the traffic that we've had, and I mean, there's some things that you know I want to do. We we were lucky enough that first week that we opened before we opened, uh, um, Fox News came and did a show on a special on us in the morning. Like a lot of people came in. There's a lot of drive-by traffic that people stop in, and so we still hear every day. Oh my gosh, I didn't know you guys were even open. So there's a you know like although the traffic we've had, there's still a lot of people right. out there that don't even know about us. So that that's what I'm looking at. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna work on you know some more press releases, and just you know working on getting the word out that we're here, and that we're here to serve the community. Right. I mean, because we're not even we're, we're just going. I mean, right now we're heading into June. I'm not sure when this podcast is gonna debut, but um, like we're not even close to snowbird season yet. Right. You know, and that's going to be a whole another level of traffic that's going to be in the valley. <laughs> it, it, it totally. I mean, it, it totally is. And, and, you know, there's some great winter opportunities to fly fish right in town. Yep. Yeah, right in town. Yeah. I don't think the carp fishing is too active in the winter, though. No, not as much. Um, but that's you know, that's a big reason why I want to do this podcast, though, is to highlight the opportunities that we have. Yeah. Because, you know, like... I think folks are gonna probably gonna they're gonna grow them because I think I bring this up in every single podcast. But you know, I'm from the East Coast. I'm from the Northeast, and we just don't have this opportunity. Right. So when I came out here and it was like, oh yeah, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. It's like, holy crap! Like, yeah. why isn't folks? Why, I mean, folks are talking about it, but it seems like it's all these different circles. But you know, trying to bring all these circles kind of together, give them one, one voice, one hub, kind of singing all you know, hey. Arizona's got it. We we got it. We here. got legit fish, right? We got legit. We got, we got legit. legit everything. But yeah, the fishing is like 
It's it's amazing the opportunities we have just just in the fishing world. I mean, you got flathead cats, channel cats. I mean, people talk. It's funny. People say, "Where do you fish in Arizona? Where do you fish? Where's your favorite place to fish?" They'll ask me that because I have fished all over the world. I've fished in Slovenia, I've fished in Italy, in the Spanish Pyrenees, in Scotland, in the chalk streams in England, Iceland, Alaska, (laughs) all over the U.S. Like I've fished, right? Right. And there's places I haven't been. But I so fish- just playing off that, that that Johnny Cash song. I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to a lot of places, and 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 I always fish whenever I go. And my wife is used to it; she encourages it. In fact, on our honeymoon, our honeymoon, we drove up the coast of California into the wine country for three weeks, mm-hmm. right? And just had a great time, and could, didn't have much of an itinerary. And we stayed. Oh, let's stay here at this bed and breakfast. Oh, let's stay here. And on our honeymoon, I was sitting in a bar. Drinking wine, watching U of A win the Final Four. Right? Okay, that happened. They win the national title. And there were some guys there talking about salmon fishing. And I start gabbing with them. And I'm on my honeymoon. My wife was shopping. She comes back to the bar. Hey, these guys are going fishing. Can I go tomorrow? Yeah, go fishing. That's the wife I got, right? And so I go catch some salmon. They ship them to my house. We get home. They got frozen salmon that we just caught. It was it was pretty cool. So, so she knows cool. like when we go travel somewhere... Yeah, there's fish in there. Right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Because wasn't that kind of country, and maybe I'm thinking the wrong place, but isn't that, what's it, um, oh, what was his name, uh, True True Blood? He was an outdoor writer. I'm trying to think, like, he was catching salmon. Like, they were catching, like, off of ladders or something. I know they do that at Pyramid Lake, but this yeah. was, like, back in, like, the 60s. I don't remember that, yeah. Yeah. But I, don't, I, I haven't been married since the I like 60s. Life or something about it. Yeah, yeah, that was a little. I'm older than you, but not that much older. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know if they still did it or not. You know, I don't tra- know if traditions they, persist. I don't know if they do or not. But I think there's, you know, people ask, where's your favorite place to fish? That's actually where my next question was going to go. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite place to fish, um, it's, it's in the White Mountains of Arizona. I mean, honestly, if, if I get to pick where do you want to go, I'll go to the White Mountains. I mean, that's my home turf, right? Yeah. Now, granted, um, I know it very well. Right. I know Which has to some, play a lot into I, it, too. I know some nooks and crannies. There's some big fish, some really big fish to chase. There's lots of water. There's not big water, right? There's not big water like in Colorado or Utah or Wyoming, Montana. But there's literally... There's hundreds and hundreds of miles of little spring creeks. Mm-hmm. Challenging. There's great still water fisheries. I mean, there's over 35 lakes up there. Most people can't name all of them. They can think of a few. Big Lake, oh, you know, Reservation Lake. But if you count all the lakes in the White Mountains, there's over 35 lakes. They all hold good fish, right? Um, and I haven't fished all of them. And I haven't fished all the streams, and I've fished my entire life there. Right. And he's, yeah. So so it's my home. It's my home <laughs> turf. And my dad is up there for all summer. My mom and dad have a place and we've got a house up there. And so I see them a lot in the summer. And, you know, four years ago, my dad and I built a wooden drift boat. Oh, that's cool. So my dad is now 84 years old. He was 80. And we took 10 months every weekend and we built a wooden drift boat together. And that thing is a freaking prized possession, right? <laughs> and my, awesome. it was funny because my dad, we fished a lot growing up. And as I got into my 20s, like for my birthday, we'd go fishing somewhere. Mm-hmm. He and I would go camp out and fish for a weekend. But we didn't fish a lot, right? But once a year, we'd, we're going fishing. And then as time goes on, and we've, I've got a place in Pine Top there, up there. And he would occasionally go fishing with me, mm-hmm. maybe once a month. And... We built this boat, and now every day, hey, I'll be ready tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Come get me. I'll be ready at 5 o'clock. Every day, he's dying to go out there and fish. You know, my sister, uh, we've got a close family, but my sister says, Chris, dad lives to go fishing with you. Like, that's the only thing he's got in life that he looks forward to. I mean, it's one of the only things. that That's what he lives for, is to go fishing with you. And so, you know, that happens in the White Mountains. Right. That's yeah, and that's yeah. How I, if I was in that situation, I'd pick that too. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's pretty special. That's that's my favorite place to be. If you, if you ask me where you where you want to go fishing, I'm I'm going to White Mountains. Kind of makes you not, not want my follow up question for that was going to be. I guess it still is, but so you get the whites. You know, yep. favorite place to fish, but that 
doesn't necessarily mean that's your favorite species to catch is up there. I was, gonna, I was, I was wondering what location aside, if you can catch in just wherever. Yeah. Um, if you had one fish, you know, it's, it's, it's tomorrow, it's, you're going tomorrow, it's do or die. What are you going for? Mm, man, I, you know, I'm not a species, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not that hung up. I mean, I'm, I kind of take, you know, I, I'd say whatever species is on the end of the line, right? Like whatever bites, <laughs> Opportunist. right? Opportunist. <laughs> like whatever bites I'm on, right? Um, so... I, I can't, I mean, some people I know that they're a junkie for, you know, a tarpon or for a, a brown trout or mm -hmm. this, like, yeah, I don't really, yeah, not, not really. Not really. And I never have been, right? I, I've just never been all that picky. I mean, I enjoy the tug. Yeah. I enjoy the tug. And, and, and like I say, more so, you know, the people that I get to be with in that experience. And, and it wasn't always that way. I mean, it was, I was chasing the fish, chasing the bigger fish. I mean, I've caught, you know, I've got some pictures on my phone of fish. I mean, I've got a, a, a picture. I'll show it to you. Because everybody, you get together and, and people take out their phones nowadays and they start, they start going through, um, uh, they, uh, they start going through their pictures, right? So I, you know, I've got the picture of the fish. Um, a few of them, and, and I've caught some big fish here and there and, and everywhere. Caught the 180-pound blue shark, but but there's the rainbow trout. <laughs> that stops everybody, right? <laughs> like that's just sick. Man, like how did that happen? Man, his jaw. I mean, I know he's got a I pipe could, going on. But. I could put both of my fish together, and they would fit in his mouth, and he'd still have room, right? Is that unreal? That's cool. So it's like, and you know, when I, when I caught that and landed it, you know, I literally, I sat on the bank for about 30 minutes. Just reveling in it. And it was like the guy, both of us <laughs> did. Like, like, yeah, we were shaking. And we were both sitting there. And it was like, I mean, I actually contemplated, I, I might be able to just leave all my equipment right here and be done. Like, that's it. Yeah. That's never going to get topped. That's the high. That's, that's never. And so... I mean that was that was probably a decade ago, and and it's just shifted, right? It's just entirely shifted for me. And you know, catching three inch bluegill, yeah, that's cool. Yep, I'm good with that. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I, I'm not a species junkie. No, and that's pretty awesome. And I think I think that's actually going to be a good good place to let this go. Perfect. <laughs> well, Chris, I can't thank you enough for for coming on and, and you know talking about the fly shop and a little bit of your history in here in Arizona and just having fun with us. Thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks for including me. Yes, sir. Well, I'll catch you next time. Hey, you got it. Yeah.